Namaste, motherfuckers. And welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 45, Ray Bullock. Uh, Ray Bullock is the ringleader, I think quite literally the ringleader, of the uh, 955 Comedy Club, which is a club in spirit, but not in form, that uh, moves around town and sets up stand-up comedy nights, open mic nights. Um, I caught it one time down at Bottoms Up. That's one of the spots they do it, uh, down at Shaka Bottom. And uh, I saw the stand-up comedy night, and I also saw him do a uh, Shakespearean version of Pulp Fiction, which was pretty goddamn amusing, Uh, which is they did the whole movie, but rendered a la Shakespeare. What do you call that, Elizabethan, maybe? Elizabethan? Yeah, so... Um, I wanted to get him on for a while, and we're going to do that. We got that going for us today. Today is March 25th, and two days ago, Mr. Dave Brocky departed this mortal coil. And uh, I've been thinking about it today. I mean, yesterday I was kind of in, um, I guess you might have to call it denial. Um, you know, I didn't, I kind of intellectually processed it as damn that's that's fucked up but the uh i don't know the the poignancy of it the reality of it didn't really hit me till today um my mother said i'm sorry to hear about your friend dave and i don't think uh i don't know if we would consider each other friends i mean i'd known him for a long time and we've had many conversations uh maybe we were some kind of peer but I wouldn't, I'm not really in his league, but uh, we um, had a lot of conversations over the years, including one that we did for the podcast back in August of last year. And I didn't, uh, I didn't think about, you know, when you, when somebody like Dave exists, you take him for granted. Um, the energy that he brought to this town um, is really most noticeable now that it's gone. And I could, I could almost say that it is. It's not that it's totally gone. The agent of it is gone. But I, uh, as I was driving around today, I felt that same. I felt an appreciation for that. What what Dave has done in his puckish, jester, um, prov- provocateur, instigator, um, kind of way all these years that. Although that was his character and that was his persona, he cared deeply, I think, about people in this town and his friends and all of the people that were connected to Guar and, and connected to the music scene and the art scene in this town. That in some, you know, wordless way, um, but with, totally with intention and action, he gave greatly of himself to this town and his self really imbued and spread and inhabited and animated a lot of what I have known as Richmond since I was in high school and today contemplating that I could simultaneously feel its loss and feel its presence and him sort of coursing around the streets of the city like a whirlwind you know, in Bardo, like 
it's just kind of checking it all out and flying around it and feeling it. And maybe that sounds flaky, but that's what it felt like to me today. And I listened to the DJ on on, on t- performance today on NPR on WCVE, and it's a show I never listened to because it just sounds like dentist office elevator music and his monotone just put you to sleep but he started talking about Dave today and playing Edvard Grieg and Prokofiev and saying you know he talking about all the things that he was and he was like you know people call him shock rock but if you were shocked by Gore you just didn't get out much and I don't think I've ever heard this guy on WCVB so I mean it was edgy for him the stuff he was saying edgy for WCVE and it was like David flown into that studio and flown down that guy's mouth and was inhabiting the radio and was inhabiting the spirit of that that guy, I can't remember his name George Maeda, maybe I don't know man, I mean Dave was is a one of a kind and he is uh, he embodies literally embodies something very hard to put your finger on about what this town has always meant to me and what it's always felt like to me and what I've loved about it and what inspired me when I was in college and what made me want to question and challenge and, you know, go my own route was his, his example. And, um, I guess, you know, that's, it's an interesting paradox, but I both mourn the loss of him and celebrate the finding of him and being reminded of what he really meant to me and to everyone else. So namaste, Dave. Yeah. So, uh, sex, drugs, Einstein and elves is a William Pickover book. And I, I just started reading it too. My friend Eric gave it to me years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, the elves that it refers to are the magical transforming machine elves of, uh, DMT hallucinations nice have you ever are you familiar with that oh i'm very (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was a touring comic for a number of years i am very very familiar yeah uh have you ever tried that stuff oh yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting oh very much so (laughs) you can see the matrix Ah, i think yeah i I took the red pill (laughs) i'll be honest i followed that rabbit right down the rabbit hole (laughs) and i enjoyed it (laughs) So you, uh, I'm here with Ray Bullock. I have started recording. Just dive on in to it. Cool. And Ray, you started the 955 Club? 955 Mm -hmm. Club. Started that February 11th, 1999. And why is it named the 955 Club? The first time that we did a paid gig, when what I mean by paid is we were allowed to put a tip jar out Mm -hmm. and people were allowed to put money into it. We were at a place called Chetty's Cowman Clam. Know it well. I worked there. Yeah, yeah, you did. Actually, we had that conversation <laughs> yeah. as I remember uh-huh. a while ago. Uh, but Chetty wanted to wait for South Park to go off <laughs> before <laughs> he started the show, and the credits for South Park rolled at nine fifty-five. Ah, and good, plus, dude. Betsy Heckman, our co-founder, was like, "Oh, that'd be a great name because they got the nine thirty club up in DC, right, right. and we're the nine fifty-five club down here. So there you go, and that's how we got our name." And and you've been doing it how long did you say? What was uh, fifteen years? Fifteen years. Uh, I've been doing nine fifty five club for fifteen years. Been doing stand up comedy for about eighteen. And nine fifty five club is a uh, brand, basically. Yes. It moves from mm-hmm. place to place and uh, place to place, people to people. We help book shows wherever. Uh, not as many as I would like. I'd like to be booking shows every single night of the week. You know, uh, fifty two weeks a year, but. 
art don't work that way. No, <laughs> no. And it's especially here yeah. in this town. Well, yeah. uh, we've, we've been stationary. A lot of the places that we've been stationary at, we've been stationary there for a while. We were at Chetty's for about two years, and we had a couple of on and off homes for a little while. Then we were at a place called Chuggers. Oh, yeah. For about five, maybe six. Then we moved to Easy Street for a few years, and we left Easy Street. Granted, after we left Easy Street, two months later, they closed. Oh, wow. So I feel like you're the the only thing keeping it open. Yeah, right. (laughs) I felt good about that. I I actually, (laughs) I think I saw one of your things at Easy Street, Mm -hmm. and and I I believe Ryan Muldoon and great uh, human being, Melanie. Melanie Rosnick. Both of them were in that that night. Oh, yeah. Did, oh, yeah. Stood up. Sadly, they don't do a lot of stand-up anymore. They don't. Which I, uh, makes me sad. Yeah. I, I, I ran into Melanie last summer and, and oh, well, uh, yeah. tried to encourage her to do this. Well, she... Yeah. yeah uh, if, if anybody there was uh, to pick on that, because she is... She has been burning the candle at both ends mm-hmm. as long as I've known her, and that's getting ready to be about 15 years. Yeah. So, yeah. Very busy lady, very active, which is cool. How did you get into uh, comedy? What was it? On a dare. Yeah. Uh, I was actually doing a show with some folks, and we went into a place. They were doing an open mic night. Mm-hmm. And it was music, and, you know, guys, my mother is beautiful, and all that other good stuff. And somebody said, hey, you do the voices and stuff and all that with the show. Why don't you get up there and tell some jokes? And I went up there, and I maybe lasted about three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the guy said, hey, come on back. And actually, that guy was Chetty. Oh, yeah. From Chetty's Cow and Clam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he was doing something somewhere else? What no, was no, it was at Chetty's. It was at Chetty's. <laughs> was at oh, Chetty's. okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've kind of fallen off with my contact with Chetty. I don't even know if he's still of this plane, to be yeah. honest with you. But if it wasn't for Chetty, I uh, wouldn't be doing stand-up. There'd be no 955. There'd be none of it. The last time I saw him was uh, at... When when Pearl was still deluxe, I mm-hmm. was I went up there and he was doing something there. He was maybe he was just hanging out. Yeah. I think, but he was bartending somewhere around there too for a uh, while. Yeah, he was bartending at someplace Southside. I know for a while. Yeah, and I think he was at Morton's for a while as well. He's a wild dude. Yeah, he is a wild dude. Got stabbed in the stomach by his own dog. I know, right? <laughs> Who can say they got stabbed by their own dog? That really takes some doing. That's a, yeah, yeah, on a boat. Mm-hmm. I think. Um. So that first time you did comedy was just off the cuff, like you stood mm-hmm. up and just uh, yeah. tried to be funny and, yeah. and made up stuff. Pretty and, much. And uh, when did it transition from you trying to do it that way to realizing you had to prepare something? Uh, like? That night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I walked off stage, I'm like, yeah, you can't do it like that yeah. ever again. Uh, and I was kicking around for a couple of years with it. And the problem, especially, and I think with any type of performance mm-hmm. or even any type of art painting mm-hmm. sculpting singing anything it's just trying to find the space or the time to present it yeah you know what i mean and that's that's the rough thing for everybody mm-hmm. uh and that's the only reason why we started 955 club i mean I'd, I'd love to tell people that it was like oh we saw this need for struggling no yeah. we wanted stage time right and so Betsy, if somebody else won't give it to you give it to yourself exactly right exactly if somebody doesn't open a door for you you kick in their window right uh <laughs> type of thing and that's why we did it. Uh, but no, as soon as I got off stage that first time, I'm like, you got to prepare for it. Yeah. And about two to three years in, uh, I met Betsy, started the 955 Club, and then we met a comic named Hoop. Mm-hmm. Hoop, the ironworking comedian. Uh, 
he did song parodies and stuff like that. And I'll go on record to say his brand of comedy was not my brand of comedy. Mm-hmm. But that man showed me and taught me so much. And he was such a giving human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, he held writing sessions that were f- completely free of charge. He would tell people about shows and he would take them out. First time I went out on tour was with Hoop. Uh, I did a Midwest tour that lasted about seven weeks. And I found out what being a road comic really is. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's not, oh, I'm telling jokes and getting drunk every night. It's right. you're sleeping in your van. And right. you're, uh, you know, watching every single penny you can. Any, any kind of touring anything oh, yeah. like that, if you're, oh, yeah. unless you're the big time. Oh, yeah. Well, even in the big time, I mean, I've been fortunate enough now to work with some of the bigger names in comedy, which I'm really lucky enough to do. And they'll sell the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, your fun time is for about two hours. Yeah. And the rest of it's spreadsheets and figuring out where you're going the next mm-hmm. and how you're getting there and all that other stuff, you know. Yeah. And then uh, the uh, hotel rooms and isolation. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Controlled substances. and Exactly. Well, I think that's you know. why controlled substances are so prevalent mm-hmm. and type of performance, because like you just said, it's a very isolated world yeah. you live in, you know, and you try to find some type of connection or some type of stimulant or numbness. Mm-hmm. And that's why so many of us have turned to that. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, I didn't realize until I started listening to podcasts that mm-hmm. were done by comedians and then listen to comedians talk how similar it is and oh, yeah. to touring as a musician. And mm. I've done a little bit of that, not extended stuff, you know, just, yeah. you know, a couple of overnights up and down the mm-hmm. coast. But it's definitely it's a certain mentality you get into. And you say you go out your first night and you got it, you know, you really got it going on and you're you're ready to do it. And then and you you party that night, then you're hung over the next day, and then the rest of it's hair of the dog. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. The rest of the time, just trying to get into some kind of frame oh, yeah. of mind to be enthusiastic about it, or, oh, yeah. or even to relax after doing it. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's also a double-edged sword, because you're coming off, if you have a great night, you know, you're like, oh, I want to keep this going. And of course, people that are watching you are no help. I mean, as you know, they're like, right. hey, let's party with us, and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I can tell you how many times, you know, Coke was just put in my hand when yeah. I came off stage. You know, I, I think every comic wants to be a rock star and every rock star wants to tell jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you can see that. But no, uh, even when you have a bad set, you're like, well, this was a horrible night. Well, what can I do to feel better about myself? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. look, there's a couple of drinks. Right. There's a couple of this. There's right. a couple of that. And, it, that, and it's that and it's that entire cycle with mm-hmm. altering or, or tampering with yourself biochemically oh, yeah. condensed into a short, very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Because... I mean, you know, you hear over and over again, and it's not any great revelation to say that <clears throat> somebody who wants to get up on stage and perform, whether they're a musician or a, a, a comic, is somebody who wants attention and needs oh, yeah. attention oh, and yeah. needs the affirmation of an audience. And if they don't get it, then, you know, they're not, they don't, they go, they're less than zero. Exactly. After that. Exactly. <laughs> because it came up there zero looking for the affirmation. And then, oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Uh, there have been many, and I'd have come off stage, and I'm like, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've wasted my life. And mm-hmm. I also think, well, people call it an artistic temperament. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think it's an artistic temperament. I think it's just what you said. It's that need to fill something, yeah. especially when they're not getting it on a regular basis. I mean, it's gotten to the point now, I can't do anything else. I yeah. know I'm going to be doing this forever. I'm, I'm not going to stop now and, you know, sit behind a desk. I can't. I'd go insane. I've tried it. Uh, but if you don't get what you're looking for, it leaves a big hole. Yeah. If I don't tell jokes at least twice a week now, I don't feel right. Yeah. It's it's such a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird dynamic of finding that hole 
uh, and filling it. Yeah, you know, and and I think that I mean I got extensive extensive experience with with uh, contemplating that hole and, mm-hmm. and you know and the uh, what are the needs the compulsive needs that you're trying to fulfill whether it's through getting attention from performing <coughs> or being creative or, or putting something out there yeah or it's just an, and a be- basic interface with the world that's mm-hmm. on those terms yeah you know I. I, I understand it, and, and we do. We use so many words like artistic temperament or addictive personality or any of those kinds of things. But I think it's a really basic human thing that some people get figured out early on. Oh, like yeah. somehow are like socialized, conditioned, or trained to say you're never going to satisfy that. Stop worrying. Stop paying so much attention to it, yeah. and just join the workforce or <laughs> exactly. join the human race. You know, do this thing. Yeah, and then there are people there's people who aren't satisfied with that and Mm-mm. they live on the sort of the fringes and it's funny we start talking about that book yeah i've always likened those kinds of people to being like the fringe dwellers of any like stone age society yeah you know, like the fucking witch doctor or the shaman or whatever yeah that character that isn't in the workforce isn't in with the conditioned people who are just doing the thing everybody already knows how to do and functioning mm-hmm. as the existing cycles and, and organization. Yeah. They're outside of it, um, not included in it, and they are consulted um, when oh, they yeah. don't know where to go next because they're, they're out there on the fringe with all the crazy ideas. Exactly. Living not conditioned by that stuff. Their mm-hmm. mind is sort of unfettered in that way. Yeah. And I think the comedian and the joker and the fool has always sort of played that role of commenting oh, yeah. on what people are taking for granted and... Well, yeah. uh, I'm not going to, you know, dr- make what I do bigger than what it actually is. I mean, I know I know who I am. I know what I do. Mm-hmm. I, I tell jokes in bars for people that are either too drunk to listen or too depressed not to. Right. And mm-hmm. I get that and all that. But I do. I love the phrase and I forgot who said it first. I probably heard it on a podcast of all places right, right. that stand up comics are. And, and I'll even put musicians in this category are modern day philosophers. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much packaging the world the way they see it and showing it to you. Mm-hmm. The musician puts it behind some chords and puts it to something that's a little bit more long-term relatable right. than a comic. Because you can listen to the same song 5,000 times mm-hmm. and still love it and still take a message from it and right. still want to hear it again. You hear the same joke twice, you're bored. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so I think But the there mu- are people who have packaged that in a way that you can keep listening to. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, like oh, yeah. those old Most comedy definitely. records. I mean, I don't know how many times I've watched Bill Cosby himself. Oh, that, oh, countless, countless, yeah. times, uh, countless times. Countless times. I mean, even though you see the joke coming, you, you still watch it. And that those are the true masters, right. I might add. I, like you mentioned Bill Cosby himself. I could quote that word for word from yeah. start to finish. He, from the moment he walks out on stage, walks right past the uh, chair, mm-hmm. and everybody applauds, and he walks back out and takes a seat, mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. way to the very end when he's talking about the dentist. You know, yeah. uh, the same with some of the Carlin stuff, same with some of the stuff from uh, Kennison and mm-hmm. also Bill Hicks. I can quote it line for well, yeah, line. Yeah, and Bill Hicks is, gets into being one of those people, the philosophers. Oh, yeah. You know, because oh, yeah. I've had people play him for me, and they're not trying to elicit a laugh. They're saying, listen to this commentary. Most definitely. That whole thing about the ride, you know. Oh, and yeah. To get the, on the ride. I, I listened to that uh, when 
when I was going through some stuff. Uh, I, well, you said Go fuck already, so I'll say yeah, fuck no, already. This is a podcast. Uh, I'm also bipolar, uh-huh. which <laughs> that helps with the artistic temperament. Diagnosed bipolar. Oh, diagnosed. Uh-huh. Uh, lithium is your friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there have been times when I've had to go off medication or I just went off because, you know, the brain said, oh, no, you're fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It lies to you. But, oh, yeah. Oh, most definitely. It's terrible. But the ride, actually, there was a point where I was listening to that just about every day mm-hmm. just to get myself psyched up. It's one of those things that helped me get out of bed, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just it's just amazing. Like you said, the fringes. Right. And there are people that live on the fringe that the people inside the bubble, as I call it, let in and periodically. Yeah. Because what they're saying is packaged a little bit more tastefully yeah. than others. Well, and I think you know. people recognize, look, we've got to have some consensual reality to function as a society mm-hmm. and to get things done. If everybody mm-hmm. just constantly broke down the nature of reality, we couldn't get the roads paved, we couldn't get buildings built, exactly. whatever. That, exactly. People have to function. But then when you function in that all the time, you start to not be able to see anything outside of it. True. So I think the role of a True. lot of artists, especially comedians and mm. Um, musicians is to break into that every now and then and say, "Hey, wait a minute! You know, yeah. you're starting to be uh, totally brainwash yourself into mm-hmm. one way of looking at things." Most definitely, and, and most definitely, other people's creative creativity can encourage the creativity of the recipient. Oh, most definitely, even if they don't ever do anything technically creative, like perform. Oh, yeah, you're like, I could come up with another way of laying this road exactly. or engineering this thing. Exactly. You know, well, I was watching. I'm also a big old nerd. <laughs> mm-hmm. which I'm fine with. I am a nerd as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I was watching a wonderful uh, documentary. It was called How William Shatner Changed the World. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you that. seen this? Uh-huh. Oh, it's a great, great, for those people listening, It's uh, if you have an afternoon free, I highly recommend checking it it's out. It's all about how Star Trek technology and... and yeah, cur- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, it's so great. Uh, uh, the iPod was invented because someone was watching an episode of Next Generation and listening to data, listen to 15 different tracks of music all at the same right. time. Well, somebody Playing said, it through the computer. Yeah. yeah. Why can't we do that? Somebody said, why can't we do that? Just filter them out. There you get the iPod. Uh, and like you said, it's not necessarily, oh, oh, you know, enlightenment. It's like, oh, I saw this piece of work that somebody put forward mm-hmm. that I can add into my own life. Uh, that's what, and I'm going to do a little shameless, you know, Paul pitting here. Uh-huh. That's why it pisses me off so much that so much of the arts is being cut and people are saying, oh, there's no room for it. We don't really need this. Right. We need this and this and this. Well, if you don't have the artistic side of it, you're going to destroy the others. Sure. You really are. Well, the good news is, is that just like you did with the 955 Club, mm-hmm. there are people like myself and like thousands of others that say, okay, if it's not there, then we'll put it out Most there. Most definitely. You know, Most and definitely. you have many... Okay, so we're not stuck with the public schools. We're not stuck with what is being provided to, yeah. for us already by, yeah. you know, our government or whatever. We have lots of places yeah. to go now because of the internet to mm-hmm. get what we need. I mean, if I really was motivated, I could learn an awful lot on my computer instead of just watching cat videos. Or, you know. <laughs> but those cat videos are so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or reading about, uh, I just started reading an article about how Billy Corgan has gone insane and or his descent into madness and oh yeah top 10 you know this or five reasons for that or whatever there's yeah. a lot available mm-hmm. um but we were just talking about this this morning is that you know i don't remember who said it, it like uh, there were, i was reading something the other day that 
I can't remember who the thinker is, but it's uh, it was quoted at the end of a Jonathan Franzen book of recognizing that the tragedy is actually a farce, yeah, or vice versa. And mm-hmm. this is not to say that something is like insignificant because you can laugh at it. It is to say that the like the power of laughing at something is to recognize that, it, that you're not controlled by it. You're yeah. not imprisoned by it. Yeah. That 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 there there's a uh-huh. s- sort of a transcending yeah. of a truth. A recognition of a truth and mm-hmm. then a, and a, a transcendence of it, getting from an objective to a subjective yeah. kind of thing with it. Uh, yeah, it's actually one of my favorite Jackie Gleason quotes where he said, pain plus time equals comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all jokes. If you, if you take any... Com- you know what? Uh, and I'm going to put music in the same category. Mm-hmm. You take any, any art. It's, it's about pain. And I'm gonna uh, and forgive me if I get off on a tangent here. Uh, it's no, something that please, also go for told. it. <laughs> That's why we're doing this. Right, uh, right. Thing, right. Tangents are good. Uh, um, but pain plus time equals comedy. That's where I was. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I did a lot of drugs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. You and me both, buddy. <laughs> no, but that's what it is. It's people taking their pain. And as opposed to allowing it to numb them, which I think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just let their pain numb them and they just walk through and they never acknowledge it and they just put it in the back and right. you can see it in their eyes. They're dead. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, their pain killed them a long time ago. Yeah. Artists take it, play with it, and put it out there for other people to see. Mm-hmm. That way it's no longer a part of them. Yeah. One of the first things that Hoop told me when we were on our first tour, we were on an Indian reservation in Arizona. And he said, you're going to go through different stages in comedy. You, you, every one of us got into this to work out their demons, yeah. what they had that's hurting them. And then eventually those demons stop haunting you. Well, you pick up some new ones while you're exercising those. Right. Then you work out those. Then you see demons that other people have, mm-hmm. and you try to work on those. Mm-hmm. Then all those demons are gone, so you start to present what you've already battled. And what you've already put out there. And that's when you start to make real art. Mm-hmm. Because you know it's there. You know you worked through it. You know you can do whatever you want to with it because you defeated it. You sort of transcended. You got some power over it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what it is. That's what all art is to me. Mm-hmm. It's just an expression of pain that no longer affects you because you worked it out. Yeah. And to put it in the terms of maybe. The Buddhists, it's mm-hmm. suffering. It's oh, yeah. that life is suffering, that the, the suffering of humanity. And, and so much of it has to do with being attached to things that are bullshit that yeah. your head's telling you. Oh, yeah. That this has got to stay this way for me to be happy, or I have to have this thing mm-hmm. for me to be happy. Mm-hmm. And true happiness comes when you can stand outside of that stuff and say, that's all bullshit. It's yeah. all a farce. Most definitely. You still got to. You've still got to operate within this framework, but you don't have to be so attached to this framework that it totally defines you and exactly. totally says who you are. And then you get to play with it. You yeah. get to stand above it and say, all right, well, I will play at being a businessman. I mm-hmm. will do this for a while. Yeah. But my entire raison d'etre is not going to be whether or not I succeed or fail at this thing. Most definitely. You know, I got something deeper I'm connecting to or something bigger. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that's a phrase that's always pissed me off. And I know it's not, you didn't say it, but when like your social situations or people mm-hmm. walk up to you and they're like, well, so what do you do? Uh-huh. And they always list the profession. Yeah. And that, because yeah. that's what, that's all they do. That's right. the only thing that they do. That's the only thing they're involved with. That's all they have. And I'm like, that's just such a sad answer, man. Yeah. That's such a fucking. Well, depending uh, on how you feel when somebody asks you that question. True. <laughs> true. Is, is that's a litmus test of your level of security or insecurity and mm-hmm. where you're at. And I've yeah. been asked that question a lot when I wasn't very secure. Yeah. And I was immediately incensed. And really, that person's just making small talk. Yeah. You know. Oh, no. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm going to rip off some 
someone's head. No, I understand. Oh, completely. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is an indication of like you're suddenly you're being judged by this person who just asked you a simple question. Yeah. In your mind, oh yeah, you're saying you're saying yeah. now I have to answer all of the things that I'm insecure about and doubtful about to this one fucking person at a at a bar or a cocktail party, and then you don't really have to. Yeah, so that's just poked your little uh, ego bubble. Oh, uh, exactly. And, you know, I'll agree. I'll and agree all with the that. Steam escapes. Or, oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. Oh uh, well. Granted, yeah, I apparently still have a lot of demons I need to work on. But no, what I was saying <laughs> when people answer that question, and they only have the one response right. that they could give out. Right. To me, that's a, a very sad... Yeah, right, right. Uh-huh. I'm a stockbroker, because that's all you do, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm a meter maid, or I'm a cop, and blah, 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 blah. I really like walking up to people and hearing that answer saying, well, this is what I do over here, but I'm also involved in this, this, and this. Yeah. You know, that's what I, that's what I really like. But ultimately, I think that the important thing is that the internal voice is telling you that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, yes, I get my bread from oh, yeah. doing this. Almost but, definitely. Um, you know, I mean, like this podcast is not what I do. Is it? Oh, I yeah. Mean, and... I mean, I don't make any money from this. It's not whatever, but it is one of the things I do to fill out my existence. And exactly. And I do it for myself so yeah. that I have something other than what I'm being paid Most definitely. to do. Uh, yeah. And, and that ultimately, that freedom is within your head. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Somebody is paying me to be a representative for a company, and I go around and I represent that company, mm-hmm. and that's how I, you know, whatever. That's how, that's how you can afford right. to do podcasts and right. stuff. exactly. Most definitely. I mean, I make no qualms about the fact that uh, comedy pays so well that I work as a waiter and bartender sure. for fun. <laughs> you know? And that doesn't make you any oh, less no. of a oh, comedian. No. Yet Not th- at all. The assumption is in Western civilization, yeah. especially in America, unless you're getting paid to do it, you're not really doing oh, yeah. it. Oh, you know? oh, yeah, most definitely. And, and But again, we don't have to go along with that. Exactly. You know? And that's why we stand outside to comment on mm-hmm. things and say it's kind of absurd that what other people thinks of us defines our reality. Exactly. The judgments of a of a microcosm of the society mm-hmm. defines our reality. Yeah. You know. And that's such a and that's another hard like demon to kick mm-hmm. that acceptance of others. Yeah. Now, and, and I think everybody's still plagued with it. As open as you are, periodically you still have that. Oh well, they think this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's it is such a hard button to stop pressing in your own head. Yeah. Uh, the, these people think this way of me or the. And I and I think that a lot of really successful people. And I'm not talking like the big names that everybody. I, I, everybody has their own meter stick for success, right? But I think a lot of successful people have, for the most part, said I really don't care. Yeah. What others are thinking of me? I know some people are thinking some great stuff about me, and I'm going to continue to do it and have fun and put a lot of positive stuff out there for those folks. And if other people don't see it well hopefully one day you will and come along with me on my ride but if you don't yeah i'm not gonna lose my sleep it's an attraction not promotion kind of a thing as one of my uh my uncle said to me many years ago what other people think of me is none of my business exactly you know exactly every single other human being is equally retarded deluded insane Mm -hmm. as i Mm -hmm. am why do i give more credence to their opinion exactly my own exactly they're just another numb nut on the bus they're just another person who got squeezed out of somebody and, mm-hmm. and, and picked up some information oh, yeah. and, and got conditioned and educated and developed prejudices and judgments and whatever. Oh, most definitely. Who cares? Exactly. You know? 
Uh, and granted, every so often. Unless they like me, and then they're brilliant. <laughs> they're geniuses. They're exactly. <laughs> uh, I like that guy. That's a good guy. <laughs> That's a good, this that fucking guy a, over yeah, here, though. He <laughs> forget about it. He doesn't know what's up. <laughs> exactly. No, but that's that's something I have really found, especially right now in the comedy scene in Richmond. There are a lot of people that are just saying, you know what? This is what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. I'm happy with it. Yeah. And if I don't see their side of it, that's fine. But they're still... They're still doing their thing, and they're still mm-hmm. very happy with what they're doing. And you got to give some respect to that. Yeah, you got to give them some kudos on that at least, because I think there's so many people out there that haven't been able to say, "I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm happy with it." Now, granted, that doesn't mean you should stop trying to grow right. or expand, right. Right. mind you. But I think it's so brilliant that I and and I'm so lucky that I have surrounded myself with so many folks that are like. This is what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and I'll continue to grow with it, and I'll continue to learn with it, but I really don't care if other people don't accept it. I would call those secure individuals. Most definitely. Vers- versus and insecure individuals. I, I'm very happy to be surrounded by a lot of very secure people. And a lot of, a lot of our economy is predicated on insecurity. Oh, and getting most people definitely. To feel that they're missing something. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, fear of missing out. You need to go out there and spend this money, and then you'll mm-hmm. be cool. You'll if you, if you go to this place, or you buy this thing, or you show up at the fantasy mm-hmm. at the bar. Oh, yeah. All of that. And, uh, back to Bill know. Hicks. We got a lot of money invested in this ride. That's Don't right. tell people That's it's right. just a ride. Sh- shut them up. Kill that guy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's uh, a good friend of mine. And I say good friend. I, I hope she thinks I'm a good friend of hers. <laughs> uh, but Deanna, uh, Deanna Danger, I, I, I've dubbed her the queen of Richmond burlesque. Uh-huh. That is a woman who pretty much said, you know what? I want to do this thing. And. I don't care what anybody says about me or about what I'm doing. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And she has. And she has created this whole environment for so many people. And I've been fortunate in the last year and a half to really start to work with her and work with her folks and work with her people. And to see what a beautiful thing that when somebody truly says, I don't want the majority of acceptance that other people are looking for. I want to do what's making me happy. And there are other people out there that want to do something that makes them happy too. Yeah. And I'm going to provide that. Yeah. And that's just so beautiful. Well, and it's, it's inspiring uh, to see people do that. And it authorizes, gives you the permission and the, and the vision oh, yeah. and, and the invitation to do that yourself. Oh, yeah. And you oh, keep yeah. using the word acceptance, which I got real familiar with because of that book right there on mm-hmm. the t- uh, tabletop. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had issues uh, of being stuck. And I had, you know, a guy who was my sponsor in AA say, I want you to read page, you know, 470 yeah. or whatever the hell it is. This is yeah. a paragraph about acceptance. I want you to read that like three times a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I up until very recently defined that word to mean resigned to the reality of a situation. Oh, as in no. like kind of being like, oh, that's, you know, it's just how it is mm-hmm. and it sucks or whatever. Oh, and oh, that, yeah. and I recently, you know, no. have come to say, no, I'm actually accepting yeah. like somebody's trying to give me a gift or, or life's trying to give me a gift. I mean, mm-hmm. I look like one to me right yeah. now. It's yeah. not packaged in anything with a bow or mm-hmm. colorful paper. But if I accept it and I'm open to what it is, it can really enter into my existence and my experience yeah. as something... Yeah. That is a gift or a positive experience, you know. Well, I think that also goes back to what you're trying to say. I think in this society, it's more of a you have to be afraid that you're not being accepted. You have to be, you have to 
feel that you're not being accepted. Right. And to me, acceptance is, I think a lot of people have used it in a negative connotation. Like, oh, they don't have my acceptance or I'm right. not accepted here. Acceptance to me is a very positive thing. Yeah. And I'm not talking like, oh, let me into the, accept it into a click. I'm accepting what you can do, what mm-hmm. you should be doing, mm-hmm. uh, what you can be able to do. That's an awesome thing because as soon as you accept what you can, you are capable of doing, you're immediately trying to go past it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a human nature. Yeah, if you switch you know? the thinking of, and again, this is my own insanity and my evolution to some other state, which yeah. you know, it's it's an ongoing process of always being, will you be. Know, that's being the stuck thing. with this yeah. perception and and like that's the beauty being of open that to another. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is to recognize first. I used to think of gifts, and I mentioned this in my Jeff Zimmerman podcast that a gift is something that was given to me by my creator or whatever. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. Born with this. And not that this is the thing that I've been trusted with to give to someone to the, else to someone else. Yeah, with, throughout my life, mm-hmm. right? That this is my gift, mm-hmm. my gift to the human race, my gift to my family, my gift to the mm-hmm. society I live in, whatever. Yeah, and. When we start to think of what we're doing creatively or whatever we're doing all day long as bringing that gift, and then we think of it as service, mm-hmm. instead of the egotistical thing that I'm giving you this so you'll give me something back. Yeah. I'm bringing this so you'll yeah. give me money. I'm bringing this so that you'll love me. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing this thing so that you'll tell me I'm cool or talented yeah. or awesome. That's yeah. where it gets all fucked up. But if you look at your your talent mm-hmm. as, as your service to yeah. other people, it frees you up a whole fucking lot. Oh, you know? most definitely. <laughs> it creates a lot of other channels. Oh, dude, yeah. I have been a performer for a good portion of my life. And as you know, uh, art pays so well. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I, I can honestly say I have gone to bed uh, happy with what I've been doing more times than I've gone to bed unhappy. And mm-hmm. I wake up every morning and... I, and Granted, it's a struggle with my mental stuff, mm-hmm. but I can wake up every morning, smile, and say I've had a great and wonderful time doing what I'm doing and being around the people that I'm around mm-hmm. and happy with what I've been able to accomplish with the help of all these other people. Yeah, And uh, I think that's something that not too many folks can truly say, and I'm very lucky to have that. I'm insanely lucky to have that. Uh, back to my friend Deanna. And if she hears this, awesome, she'll probably don't use my name like that. I don't like she doesn't like compliments too well. But uh, I think I'm friends with her. In oh, she's too. awesome human being. Mm-hmm. But we were having a conversation because I've been doing this for 15 years. And I'm very proud of the fact that a lot of people, the first time they ever stepped up on stage, was at one of my shows. Yeah. And now they're doing these huge, wonderful, beautiful things, and that just fills me with so much pride, so much uh, wonderfulness. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything from them. I don't need anything from them. At, Everything that I could have wanted or gotten from them happened the first moment they stepped on stage for the very first time. That's all I want from them. Mm-hmm. And if they discover something great from it, awesome. If they don't, you know what? They gave they gave it a try. Yeah. And not people try. And that's the thing. But I was having a conversation with her. You see these people that come into your life that have no concept of their potential and what mm-hmm. they can do and how they can do it. And then you see them do something amazing. And yeah, it's a little selfish for you to sit back and say, I was like this big and helping get that. Yeah. That's that's what you can take away from it. Yeah. That you were a part of that. Right. It's a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it isn't that you lost anything because you're not in that position that they exactly. are. Exactly. You know, it's exactly. like uh, the back to the road thing. I'm the guy building the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't have to be attached to where the car that's traveling along the road exactly. is going. Exactly. You know, I'm playing a role in making all of that possible. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. 
So far, from what I think we understand about humans, is that our great evolutionary advantage is our ability to work as a team. Well, yeah. You oh know, yeah, to work together to accomplish things that we can't do by ourselves. We're mm-hmm. not the strongest predator. Mm-hmm. We don't have the sharpest claws or the or the teeth or mm-hmm. whatever. But you put us together and we'll fuck over a lion. <laughs> oh yeah, oh we have. A group of us will build a gun for you that you can go and shoot a lion exactly. in the face with. Exactly. You know, like and and it's. But you know that that's a a lot of times looked at as like that's a fucked up thing about humans is that we can dominate mm-hmm. our environment, but we're also able to work to a team and say this has gone too far. We need yeah. to take it back this way. Well, but ultimately, yeah. to say what I do is is a part of this group is the accomplishment of this mm-hmm. huge thing that I'm a part of. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Well, the thing that I'm I'm such commie talk. <laughs> yeah. How dare go. all of us are equal and work together to achieve <laughs> a goal? How dare we? Goddamn Obama. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Obama. <laughs> My former. Anyway. Uh, now, um, actually, well, that's another thing that brings me with such pride. When uh, Betsy and I started doing this, we were it. Uh, mm-hmm. There was Matt's Comedy Club in town. Yeah. And that was in a basement. Yeah. And you had to go to South Carolina to get booked in Richmond. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. I didn't uh, know that. It was run, uh, the booking agency was run out of South Carolina. And you actually had to travel down to South Carolina, showcase... Give a five minute showcase just to get an MC spot uh, at Matt's because they were the only comedy club in Richmond. That was it. I remember going there a couple of yeah, times. That was yeah. it, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. That was it. Uh, so we started doing that. That was all that was in town. Matt's closed. They're no longer in operation uh, for a wide variety of reasons. I get. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast for a whole other day. But we started doing this and we were it. And then, of course, Funny Bone came in, which. Love those guys. They've paid my rent on more than one occasion. And they actually give a lot of shots to up-and-coming people mm-hmm. uh, for being such a big, mega thing that they are. The F- Richmond Funny Bone is actually very welcoming to new acts, a whole lot more welcoming mm-hmm. than a lot of other places across the country. And I speak from experience on that. But I'm very proud of the fact that you can be a part of or see a stand-up comedy show every single night of the week here in Richmond now. What do you think the sense is... Overall, that uh, how well are people aware of that? How well are they? no, they're not. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, trust me, it can be seen. Well, open you mics. Know, <laughs> I certainly, I wasn't aware. I didn't give a sh- like for whatever reason. Yeah. I didn't care about comedy. Well, and you know, we're comedy. Uh, we're the club foot of entertainment. Yeah, we kind of are. Uh, a friend of mine said that to me one day. It was what do like, you mean by that? Uh, mean like, oh, there's that thing. Oh, look at it. I see it. Okay, it's gone now. Whatever. I don't have yeah. to look for it anymore. I've already seen it. Uh, but I can't wait to see it again. If it happens, right. awesome. But I'm not going to look in the paper and see. I'm not going to look in the paper just to see a club foot again. Yeah, you know, if something happens across me, then I'll go. But I'm not going to seek it out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's also. And yeah, I'm a little bit bitter about this particular subject. I think that's also the statement for comics in general. You know, it's like oh, I've had so many people say, oh, it's just comedy. It's just you know stand up or you know you're just telling some jokes. Like, yeah, it's a bit more than that. (laughs) Well, and I think that one of the cool things, because there are these podcasts that are by comedians that they talk about the craft of it and Mm -hmm. they talk about the struggle of it, that so many more people are now, I'd say that I haven't made the transition yet. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated to hear comedians talk about writing comedy. I love it. And I love listening to them talk about the experience of going out on the road and trying to get their first five minutes together oh, in yeah. an hour and oh, that special and all that shit. Oh, God, I hated my first five. I, I love so hearing much. that. And, and then it starts to put it in a context that I'm interested um, because 
I mean, and I'm still not totally there where I'm like, uh, what's going on this weekend? Maybe I'll go see some comedy. Yeah. Because when I do happen to see it, I I enjoy it. And I think the last time I went to a real like show was it happened my boss's birthday party. He took a bunch of us to see Dave Attell and Mitch Hedberg. And oh, wow. I forget who was headlining. It might have even been uh, Chappelle. Oh, wow. At, uh, in town, like at... Um, the uh, what's now center stage? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think another show you're talking about. It's yeah. Like 2004. Or yeah. 2003. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a fucking great time. But yeah. like, when I'm looking at Netflix and I have like even Mark Maron, who I love, I've got Thinky Pain. I could watch it. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I got you know all of these Bill oh, Burr, yeah. all of this shit that <clears throat> I'm like, nah. But mm-hmm. then when I when something happens where I actually watch it, like yeah. I fucking love it. Like exactly. Even Brian Regan, like I've watched it. You know, yeah. Hour special. I've been laughing the whole it's time. It's never anything that's at the forefront of anybody. It's always an afterthought. Yeah. Uh, com- uh, stand-up comedy is always an afterthought. You know what? I'm going to say comedy in general is always an afterthought for people. Uh, like, you take it, uh, actors. Uh, I want to see this next film that this person does. I have, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make sure that I see it and I have to be a part of it. Very few people do that with stand-up comics because I think there's still a mentality of Do you of, think that they're just hostile jokes. towards comedians? I do. Yeah. I actually do. Uh, actually, here's a fun story for you. Mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough to be a part of a lot of different facets of entertainment, from being a professional wrestler to doing stand-up comedy to doing. You've acting. been a professional wrestler. I work with Global Wrestling Alliance. Okay, uh, we're going to have to NW. talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got all these scars and memory problems as well, thanks wow. to the coke and the chair shots. So there was that. Wow. Yeah, but I I got no neck on purpose. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't genetics. This was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, but. That was a pile driver, one too many. Oh, uh, pile driver, one too many. Uh, wrestling in school, wrestling out of school, then doing the professional work uh, and wow. all that other stuff. Yeah, uh, I can turn my head about there, and I can turn my head about there. That's about as far as it'll go. Well, it's, I don't want to take you away from what you were getting ready oh, yeah, to say most about the hostility towards. Oh yeah, hostility towards it. Uh, I was doing a show. Uh, I won't say which group it was with. It was here in uh, Virginia, and it was a Shakespearean show. Mm-hmm. I was asked to do it. I didn't audition. Somebody called me up and said, hey, do you want to be a part of this thing? Like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I know a lot of people that are working on it. It would be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know a lot of them, and I tell jokes when I feel insecure or threatened. So right, right. I walk in there, and we're doing the first read-through, and I said, well, it's great to be around here. I'm just stand-up comedy boy, so you know, mm-hmm. if any help you guys can give me, that would be awesome. Just a blanket statement, like, hey, nice to meet you. This mm-hmm. is what I've done in the past, that type of thing. Right, right. Well... We break off, and the he- you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and use his name. I don't care anymore. Grant Mudge. <laughs> he was the head of don't Richmond know. Shakespeare Festival. Uh-huh. Like at Age Croft Hall, that kind uh, of Yeah, thing. that uh-huh. type of thing. I'll go ahead and use his name. I don't care. I'm not... Uh, I'm, I don't What's have to What's he going to do? He's just an actor. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you for saying that. <laughs> He's not even in town anymore. He walks up to me and says, Hey, uh, I know you're just a stand-up comic, so I'm going to mm. help you with some of this language. Mm. Mm. I'm like, bitch, I've done 17 Shakespearean shows before mm-hmm. I got here. Mm-hmm. Just because I tell jokes on the side doesn't right. mean I'm a dimwit or I don't understand other art forms. But in his mind, it was, oh, he does these little funny things on stage, so right. he really doesn't he's grasp. A yeah, he's a clown. Right. He can't grasp what we're doing here. And it really pisses me off because if you look at a lot of stand-up comics... They have been able to make the transition from clown to very serious dramatic stuff. Yeah, uh, Lawrence Olivier said, uh, "You know, uh, 
dying is easy. Comedy is hard. Right. You know. I was just going to say that like it's easier to write and get people to see that which is sad yeah. than it is to get them to see what's funny. Uh, you know? Get them to see what's sad but laugh about yeah. it. Yeah. That's the thing. And also to take that transition. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we're looked down on, but mm-hmm. we're also looked up at. Yeah. It's it's such a weird like I said it's double-edged sword. People look down on us, but they also look up at us, yeah. which is so strange to me. And, and you know, R- Richmond is a city has an insecurity about oh, yeah. its own stuff that like whether we're talking about a comedian or a musician or, or a painter or whatever mm-hmm. there's an awful lot of people outside of this sort of you know i don't know those in the know who do go to first friday or go to mm-hmm. see your comedy or go to the what is that theater the coalition theater? uh, uh Richmond comedy coalition yeah. yeah or uh you know go to the small clubs to see the bands in town mm-hmm that's a very small minority of oh, yeah. even the 200,000 people that live in Richmond, the city, yeah. much less the 2.5 million that live in the greater Richmond area. area. Yeah. Those people are all going, if it ain't on TV, I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. If it, I didn't hear it on the radio, uh-huh. it ain't shit. You know, I shouldn't even do That's such a fucking diss. That voice, but you know, you know? what? But I, I, I wouldn't that, say it's a diss. Because it ain't just people with southern accents. That oh, I know that. Like but that, you know? I wouldn't say it's a diss, but I also say it's... It's a fact through ignorance. Yeah. And I'm not saying those people are ignorant. I'm just saying they haven't been. Those motherfuckers to it. on TV started somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the well, when on we the did radio the 15th, started somewhere. Yeah. A good friend of mine, David C. Wingfield, did this amazing joke right at the top. We were standing room only, which I'm so proud about. We had to turn people away at the door, and I'm like, ah, 15 years, and we're doing it. David C. Wingfield, who is very blunt, and I love him for it, gets up and says, Yeah, this is awesome. I got one question for all you people out here. Where the fuck have you been the other 51 weeks out of the yeah, year? Because yeah. we're here every week. <laughs> Where yeah. are you then? Uh, and I think that's also something that we're also smudged at and looked down yeah. upon at. Because comics are very blunt. Uh, we're very blunt and we can be very rude. Because that's the mentality that right. we're used to. Right. And I've gotten chewed out many a time from other artists and things that that I am, t- and I know I'm too blunt. Yeah, I know I'm too blunt. I know I can come across as aggressive, and I know I can come across as rude. But I'm also kind of fine with that. Yeah, because I still have a lot of wonderful people around me. I'm still working with a lot of wonderful people, and they've accepted who I am, and I've accepted who they are. I'm not saying the people that can't be around me when I'm doing that are bad people. Right, they just go about getting stuff in a different way yeah and that's fine that's awesome and it is a thing that we had to i mean if we are talking about that one of the roles that comedy and Mm -hmm. and humor and comedy like i mean somebody was just talking about this the other day that in french comedy that's not just jokes and Mm -hmm. stuff i mean in shakespearean comedies it's not just they're not they're not just far i mean it's a it's an angle oh yeah something uh Mm -hmm. It's the other side of the misery and the suffering, all that. It's, it's oh, yeah. more, more complex than just being a clown. Um, Agreed. But the role that we say that it that I'm putting out there that it plays, and I think you're agreeing, is to draw attention to something, flip it on its ear, show it from a different perspective. Yeah. This is all very liberating stuff. Unless you are like holding on with a death grip to your perception of reality. Yeah. And and much of that has to do with denial, such as a person who might be overweight saying, I know that I am overweight. I don't want anybody pointing that out right now because I'm trying to function, you know, outside of the insecurity I have Mm -hmm. about being overweight. I'm trying to live. I'm trying to do my job. I'm trying to go out in this world without thinking that everybody's looking at me saying you're a fat ass 
and all that kind of shit. And then yeah. somebody makes that joke and, to them, and and hey, they're just kidding around. They don't really mean anything. They're not trying to be hurtful. They have no yeah. idea how much this person needs to not be thinking about that right now. And they didn't invite that comment, and they didn't invite oh, that yeah. insight <laughs> yeah. into themselves. And that's just an obvious example of it. But but you know, rather than say, okay, the reason I'm uncomfortable with this insight that this person's offered me in the form of a joke. Is, uh-huh. is it's my ego and I really shouldn't be so hung up on all that and I shouldn't yeah. be so attached to that. That's not the reaction most people have. They're like, I want to shut that motherfucker up, up and yeah. I want to kill him. Yeah, I don't ever want to yeah. talk to him again at the least. Yeah. At the most, I'd like to punch him in his face so he will think twice about offering me unsolicited. Exactly. You know. Well, I'm, I'm, I have a reputation of letting loose on hecklers mm-hmm. pretty hardcore. Uh, I made a couple of people cry. I'm mm-hmm. not a fan of that but it is that and I, that's still an insecurity that i have right. you know I, when i'm presenting my stuff if somebody's not or even when i see somebody doing it to someone else's stuff right i jump on them like a rabid pit bull with rabies it's right. just a horrible thing it's because and it's not because they're making fun of me it's be or making fun of somebody else on stage i take the heckler portion of it as you are interrupting someone trying to release pain from themselves right right and the thing is is that ray i mean if you've chosen to get up there and perform yeah you have basically given anyone oh yeah an open invitation to do that oh yeah so i understand i think crowd work is hilarious oh, yeah. it's awesome did, but oh. you know on the other hand people have to recognize that if they have gotten up there and said listen to me pay attention to me they oh, yeah. open themselves to that kind of criticism oh yeah now that asshole heckler needs to realize there are other people in the audience that might actually be enjoying this exactly. and, want to hear it, and they're making it about them oh and, yeah you know. i welcome somebody to try to add something to it yeah I got no problem with somebody saying, like, being a part of the show. Now, there's a big difference between being a part of the show, having a good time, and just being a dick. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference there. If if I'm telling my jokes and somebody says something that's part of the joke, and I'm like, yes, just like that guy. Mm -hmm. And I can tell they're seeing what I'm doing, and they're interacting with me because it's, you know, part of them, and they're experiencing it with me. I love those moments. I love, or if they're saying something that's, you know... A little bit different than what I was saying, and I happen to hear it. Awesome! I'll incorporate that in my act. But there's a big difference between that and just trying to shut the person on stage up. Yeah, because they want to be the focus of attention. Yeah, yeah. big difference. It is, and but I mean, we were t- the the point I was talking about before, and I'm I'm curious to know if you you can see this is that you know although I think most people recognize the need to see things differently. They want to decide when and where they see yes. it, and yes, and very few people can welcome that when it's unsolicited. Oh yeah, even if it's a friend of yours sitting down with you and saying, "I think you drink too much." Yeah, you know, oh like, yeah, you don't want to fucking hear that when you, you no. know. Mm-mm. Most people want to decide when they're open to hearing that and, kind of stuff, and, and they'll only hear it when they've decided they want to hear yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I think both you and I know, especially you know, uh, you mentioned the whole drug thing. AA. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm I've had my battles with with the nose candy myself, mm-hmm. but it's you have to hear it when you want to hear it. Right. And if you don't want to hear it at that time, you're not going to. Right. Again, we're going back to Bill Hicks. Yeah. Shut him up. Yeah. We got a money invested. We don't want to hear that this is just a ride. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's what it is. 
And I, and yeah, I mean, getting fucked up is just a ride. Exactly. I mean, it's even more of a ridiculous ride because you are really choosing to numb out and, and mm-hmm. delude yourself. Most definitely. Waste all your hard-earned money, waste you know all your oh, time yeah. going into creating an illusion for yourself that everyone else can see through yeah. while you're sitting yeah. there. You're the only one that's bought into it. Mm-hmm. It's it's. I mean, I don't want to judge anybody else on it, but I can't believe how long I participated in fucking with myself like oh, yeah. that. You know, because I couldn't confront reality, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. my own life. And I mean, on the flip side of it now, though, is like I I love enjoying everything with a taste of fear mm-hmm. behind it. You know, yeah, that the idea of getting up on stage to perform for people or to put something like this out there. You know, part of what makes it thrilling is that you're that you're putting yourself out there to be fucked with and judged oh, yeah. and, you know whatever oh, and yeah. it might go well and like part of the great experience is it might not and you know it's a, it's it's a high wire act i know? i have more respect for people that will come to a live show and say they didn't like it or say this is bullshit or this is blah 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 i don't i, I don't like them but i have right. more respect for them than somebody who's just typing away things on an internet comment or something of that nature, which has gotten really huge, because then it's faceless. Yeah. Then it, it's a little cowardly, mm. in my uh, opinion, because you have no repercussions. Nobody right. can say, well, what the fuck, you know? Uh, and I, and I kind of give respect to live hecklers more than I do cyber hecklers, mm-hmm. because at least the live heckler is willing to say, this is what I think, and every yeah. single person can see, this is what I think, yeah. and this is how I'm thinking it. Um. I don't really know where I was going with that, but yeah. Well, we've jumped around <laughs> so, quite a bit here, and I mean, I, I, sh- I so often try to act like I'm, you know, speaking for uh, some kind of consensus of opinion, but really, all I know is my own yeah. experience right mm-hmm. now, and my own experience with entertainment in town is that I want to go, but I've become such a you know muggle when it comes to like my reality of like my house and my job yeah and my money and the things that have to be taken care of mm-hmm. i very seldom can remember to check what's going on oh yeah most anywhere definitely. in this i can't even go to a movie the anymore, problem with life is that know? life gets in the way yeah yeah so there's definitely a, you know a lot of that for me but i have always felt threatened by comedy you know interesting I, because I was teased a lot as a kid, oh, yeah. and mocked a lot as a kid. Oh yeah, I shouldn't say always because there was a period where I didn't. I was at that golden age, you know, sort of of childhood before adolescence, before real self consciousness sets mm-hmm. in. That I would watch Buddy Hackett or uh, George Carlin, and I used to watch all those HBO specials, and I just mm-hmm. laughed, and I yeah. didn't see a mirror there, right? Mm-hmm. And now. I start laughing, but half the time I'll start going. They'll be talking some about some shit, and this happens more in comedy movies where they're putting up somebody up to be a tragic figure. Yeah, and I start identifying with that person, or I start identifying with the person who's being made fun of or mocked, and then suddenly I'm having a real bad time. Yeah, I'm going. God, well, I'm- I don't like a lot of the insult comedy. I yeah. don't like of this person's fucked up. Let me tell you why that person's fucked up. Because to me, it's I like you said. I can only speak for myself. The m- for me, myself personally, it's because I wasn't accepted. Yeah, and we talked about that living on the fringe. Yeah, we were driven to the fringe because we weren't accepted. Right, and for me to have somebody who wasn't accepted to try to not accept another person, right. like that's the 
big as right. fuck you you could give to somebody, yeah. man. He switched sides. Yeah, you know? yeah, dude. Don't 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 do that. Don't don't. At do least that. I'm not the one in the shower. Everybody's pointing at. I'll be over here with the other people pointing. Exactly. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that, man. Because you've been that guy in the shower. Yeah. You know what that feels like. How yeah. dare you do that to somebody else? That's not cool. That's not yeah. cool at all. But I definitely get what you're saying with but that. But people pay to see that, and, and there's a market for it, and people love it. Well, I think but, people do that because they're not the ones being pointed at at that moment. Yeah. But I think the people that can really see what that pointing does don't like it. Yeah. And, and kudos to you for saying that, because I feel pretty much the exact same way. You know, if you're setting somebody up to be this tragic figure, and I'm identifying with it because I've gone through it, it's not funny anymore. I can it's barely hurtful. get through the setup. Even, like, in, and there are many comedy movies like Bridesmaids and stuff like that where there is a heartwarming character arc and yeah. somebody there is actually a happy ending and um, and in order to set the stage for the happy ending we have to show how pathetic this person is in the beginning mm-hmm. that Kristen Wiig is so you know fucked up yeah. when it starts out or that Jeff who lives at home you know the guy's yeah. living in his basement Jeff uh, lives with his mom yeah great movie I can yeah. and that ends up being a real yeah, awesome transcendent kind of character arc for uh, mm-hmm. who plays what's that guy's name in that? Oh, that shit. was in Geek. Jeff Lewis at home. Uh, <laughs> should know that. If you hadn't asked me, dude, right. I could tell you. He's been all over. Yeah. the place, but but I can barely get through. I'm squirming. I'm so uncomfortable. I can barely get through that setup in yeah. the beginning of the movie because I've been one of those people. Yeah, you know, quite a bit in my, a, a significant portion of my life. I, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Been one of those people and. It's hard for me to get through it. It's just really like uncomfortable. That um, and the the same. I, I couldn't even as a kid get through in Three's Company when I saw. Oh my God, something really embarrassing is about to happen to Jack. Yeah, I like. I couldn't find that funny. I would just be like, I, I got to change the channel. Yeah, like, I, I can't take it. Yeah, you know. And I mean, I think that's a lot of it with with comedy. Is it comedy is providing the service to say, let's look at this a little differently, mm-hmm. but. It's also it can also collude. It can also be part of uh, the illusion. It can also be part of the ride. You know that there's such a thing as as an acceptable human being and a non acceptable human being. That we need to mock the ones that we've all decided aren't acceptable. Oh, most definitely. Well, uh, uh, great comic. If you have a chance to listen to his stuff or see any of his stuff, Christopher Titus. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know Titus. Uh, If you take away all the humor, he had a show for a while. Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. Great show. It saddened me that it was canceled. I, I think me and five other people are the only right. ones who watched it, and four of which were in He told a great story family. on a podcast about how that all went down. Oh, oh know, I, I'd love to hear that. I haven't yeah. heard that. I'd love to hear that, actually. But that, another anyway. time. Mm-hmm. If you take away the humor from it, it's the real pain of this guy. I'm fine with somebody right. saying, this is why I'm fucked up, and this is my tragedy. I'm not fine with somebody saying, this is this person's tragedy. Right, right. You know, because you don't know them. You don't know who they are. You don't know how they got there. You don't know what they've experienced before they got there, what they're going to experience after they leave there. Yeah. So who the hell are you? Yeah. You know, and like you said, it's uncomfortable to watch because I've been there. But it is uncomfortable. Even for me, when I'm at my most sensitive, I can't take Louis C.K. I mean, that show he had on HBO, Lucky Louis, made me want to blow my brains out. Really? (laughs) Fucking depressing as shit. I was fine with it because it was him saying, this is what I'm doing. As opposed to somebody else, you know, I'm fine. And to me, it just seems like a bully. It seems like a bully. Like, I'll go ahead and say it. I hate Daniel Tosh. Mm -hmm. I hate Mm -hmm. everything about his show. I hate everything about his stand-up comedy. 
I, I hate. He's a it, he's a smart ass mockery. He's guy. a smart ass mockery guy. Yeah, and he's not exposing himself. He's just trying to foolishly clown other individuals. Right. You know. And I'm like, why are you doing that, dude? Yeah. And I think a lot of people accept that because they're not the ones being mocked. Sure. And they're like, you as know? long as the attention is on that other loser, yeah. I can feel nobody's and, looking exactly. at me. Exactly. No one's looking yeah. at me. Yeah. You know? And that's uh, just a sad way to look at things, man. It's true. But it's it's true. And this gets at why comedy is such a problematic thing mm-hmm. for people because it really is wrapped up in a lot of things that are uh true about like the experience of living mm-hmm. <laughs> period yeah it's like because everybody has been through you know varying degrees of intensity oh yeah being socialized in school oh yeah and you you know some people kind of get through the tough spots and then it's you know mm-hmm. all right some people never get through those things mm-hmm. they just become a fringe dweller and they stay there yeah and some people go crazy and arm themselves and shoot up the place yeah you know and uh you know, comedy highlights a lot of those feelings that people are barely containing. Yeah. You know, oh, they yeah. generally spend a lot of time avoiding, numbing out over, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's it's a very, how do we know what I'm going to get if I go to this comedy show? Am I going to get somebody who's like a, you know, a wise humorist, a Will Rogers, or am I going to get an insult comedian like Don Rickles that's going to have me making me feel like, you know, feel shit. like shit the whole time? The whole yeah. time? You know, uh, and I'm responsible for whether or not I allow a comedian to make me feel like shit. But mm. still, if I if I'm really trying to spend my entertainment dollar on on a f- you know escapist yeah. fantasy, my it's a bad gamble. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of time oh yeah, it's to a pick it's comedy. You know? I'll totally give you it's a crapshoot, dude. But you mentioned Rickles. I think the big difference between someone and it's completely separate, but I just wanted to acknowledge it real quick. Mm-hmm. The big difference between somebody like Tosh and Rickles. I mean, they're both of the insult genre. Mm-hmm. However, with Rickles, he is pretty much saying in his act, Hey, we are all messed up. Right. And we're all just trying to get through this thing. And if you ask any celebrity that's ever worked with him, I've seen countless, countless interviews. They said, this is the most heartwarming, lovable, do anything for you at any time, human being you will ever come across, ever. Yeah. He is uh, the salt of the earth and a great guy. And he makes all of us feel better because he acknowledges that all of us are just little hairless apes trying to make our way through the right. world. Toss, on the other hand, in my opinion, says, these people are not like us. They right. never will be like us. They'll never be as good as me. Fuck them. Yeah. I mean, he even has a segment on the show called 99 and Boo Boo, I'm Better Than You. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Well, he's a fucking Southern California. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I made the mistake of living there for a year and not I, in I L.A. I was out in L.A. for about a year myself. So yeah, Costa Mesa, Huntington Beach. Like, I mean, people who despise their own natural form so much that, yeah. they, you know, oh, yeah. surgically and... Uh, how, how much do you hate yourself that you're willing to let a stranger cut into your own skin? Mm-hmm. And you're going to turn yourself into some mutation. Exactly. And, and there is a really a lack of acceptance in Southern California. Oh, yeah. It is, is mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. And it leads to some really hateful, fucked-up shit. I mean, whether mm-hmm. it's it's the people who are think they're beautiful people and have, and have joined that gang, yeah. you know, uh, of the beach people and all mm-hmm. of that, 
Or it's the Nazis and yeah. the various gangs, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, Cholo gangs, Nazi gangs, black gangs, Crips, Bloods, all of these exclusive, yeah. violently exclusive groups of people. Oh, yeah. Because there's something dehumanizing about that that part of the world. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's something in the air and the water or whatever. It's it's fucked. And uh, it's that we we have to feel better than you at all times. Right. And we have to let you know mm-hmm. That we're better than you at all times. Something is bullying somebody yeah. in that area, and everybody so feels weird. bullied by yeah, it. Which is so weird because yeah. uh, you know the, it has this this uh, illusion that it's this it's oh it's back. this hey, bro, lovely cool. it's land and everybody's yeah. accepted here and right. we all love it's everyone. Not like that it's at not. All. <laughs> uh, you know, I would rather take New York over L.A. any day of the week and mm-hmm. twice on Sunday because at least they're like, yeah, we're all fucked up. Go I mean, fuck I lived in Manhattan, and, yeah. and that is a, a place where people expect you to. Sing for your supper and make a, play a role, do something. Don't be a bum. Yeah, you know. Overall, I think, and 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 I was actually encouraged by that. You yeah, know? like oh, yeah. And it made me get busy. Oh yeah, and I did things in that city that I had never taken the time to do when I was here. Mm-hmm. But but California made me feel like. I don't know, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You don't belong. Like, you, you know, don't show you your face. You're a piece us. of shit. Exactly. Yeah, and um. And I, I said many times that people are like, what do you think of California? I say, it'd be great if it weren't for the Californians. Yeah. Because yeah. that part of the world's beautiful. The Pacific Coast Highway, the deserts, all mm-hmm. of that shit is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. But, man, locals only. <laughs> exactly. That's, that, that is should be the fucking motto. Like, exactly. You know? Exactly. Because they don't, like, I. people are like, why don't you go learn to surf down here by the uh, pier? And I'm like... Because did nobody wants me, me to? There. Exactly. I'm not allowed. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't go down yeah, there. I'm with not going to go somewhere and... where everybody's telling me to leave. Yeah, it's you know? fucking like you get in the water and you didn't grow up there. They're like it's hostile. People are yeah. fucking like trying to drown right. you and shit. Yeah, Orange yeah. County can just disappear, in my opinion. Yeah. That's just me talking. Yeah, but no, it's it's so amazing to me that this area and that's uh, where Tosh comes from. Yeah, like, I saw his stand up thing and he's he's. That's yeah. him. And that's you know, who he is. Guys. That's yeah. what he does. It's so amazing to me that this area that's claiming to be like, oh, we want everybody to be free and have all these. No, you don't. No. You want them to look a certain way, act just like you're acting, never say anything too out there or too disclamatory or too no, make no statements. Right. Only vague things. What I, I like in Southern California, too, is uh, politicians. Everybody out there is a politician. They're yeah. putting on a smile. They're telling you what they think you want to hear. Oh, yeah. They're not letting you in at all. They're not telling you what's going on. They won't let you know what's going on, but they'll make and they you actually feel bad. actively sabotage. Yeah. You. I mean, there's the hypocrisy of Richmond or the South that's like they'll say, "Oh, it's not, you know, say nice things to your face," and then maybe mutter behind your back. But out there, I was, you know, I experienced oh, yeah. people not they not only did they not dig me and tell me to my face that I was cool, but they really did try to actually oh, sabotage yeah. my life and get me out of the job that I was doing mm-hmm. there and and eject me from the well, system. Well, different in the and, south, they might you know, they might close a door and say, "Don't come in here." Yeah. Out in L.A., they'll slit your throat, leave yeah. your carcass on the side of the road, yeah. saying, "This is what the people happens who are to smiling intruders. in your face." Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I wonder what that is. I mean, it's like. We were talking about the manifest destiny thing this morning over yeah. breakfast and like the idea we ran out of rope. 
mm-hmm. out there. And yeah. the people who were trying to run as far away from whatever they thought the East Coast was, the seat of the government, you know, the mm-hmm. federal government, all that kind of shit. They went west, they went west, they went west, and then everybody started they got there first. And anybody that's coming behind them is unwelcome. Like, yeah. we're here, even never mind it, to push the Native Americans and the Spanish out of there to well, take it over. Yeah. But, I was actually having this conversation with somebody about the acting scene out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the actors that live outside of the West Coast, like Southern La- uh, Los Angeles, you know, Valley area, are the ones that have been long term employed and successful and continue to do things. And you don't hear too much negative stuff about them because. Mm-hmm. They're not negative people. Right. The ones that are engrossed in that scene and that stay in that scene are the ones that you're seeing on TMZ all the time or that are yeah. always involved in some type of scandal or that are right. losing their shit periodically and shaving their heads and kicking right. babies and doing mounds of cocaine because they're in that area where everybody's saying, you're horrible, you're not like us, right. you'll never be like us. I mean, when was the last time you saw Harrison Ford on <laughs> uh, TMZ? Right. You're not going to. Right, and there's nobody else trying to take, like, there's a, a Britney Spears is an interchangeable character. Yeah. Or a Hillary oh, Duff. Yeah. Or a Lindsay Lohan. Mm-hmm. And all of the other women that are Lindsay Lohans are like, I want this bitch to go down so I can be Lindsay yeah. Lohan. Yeah. And like that mm-hmm. and there's so there's all this competition mm-hmm. for this thing that people perceive as only having room for them. Only yeah. I can be the redhead, the Anne Margaret, only I can be the Marilyn Monroe and whatever. And Harrison Ford, of course, is just there's only one Harrison Ford. Yeah, exactly. You know, and because those kinds he's of people. Tra- yeah. Right. Well, and that's the thing I love about the comedy scene here in Richmond. There is none of that. Right. Uh, and we have There's all... There's nothing to win. Though. No. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> when the you cameras all is... are pointed the other way. <laughs> when all yeah. you got is nothing, there's a lot to go around. Right. <laughs> but that, look, that may be a joke, but that's also a good yeah. thing about this town. And, and many of the people I've had on this show <clears throat> have talked about this, is that mm-hmm. what's nice about Richmond is there isn't a competition no. here. There aren't people being drawn here to fight for something Mm-mm. from elsewhere, which is what L.A. is and which yeah. New York well, is. And I mean, even uh, far outside of Richmond is D.C. The comedy scene in D.C. is kind of cutthroat. And yeah. it's kind of, I'm going to push you down so I can step on top of you. Yeah. Uh, nobody in town in Richmond does a show on someone else's night. No one uh, tries to force another comic out of a room. No one says, if you perform here, you can't perform there. It, it, I mean, granted, we fight and we bicker and we bump heads with each other periodically. Mm-hmm. But I, I know if I call up Jesse Jarvis, who is one of the fantastic comics, if you haven't seen him live, go out into it. I can list tons of comics. Jacob McFadden, mm-hmm. Benjamin Brayman, Richard Woody, uh, you know, April Dowdy's doing some wonderful stuff. Uh I could call up some of these guys and say, hey, man, I know I haven't been to your room or done your stuff in like months and months and months, and I'm sorry about that, but can I borrow a microphone for my stuff tonight? Yeah. I guarantee every single one of them was like, sure. Yeah. There you go. It's it's not that we're not competing with each other. We're all living together. Mm-hmm. It's a very socialist society that yeah. we got going on here, which I think is amazing. In the and comedy scene? It. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the comedy scene. I, I can't speak for the art, the other art scenes that are out there. I'm not too engrossed in those, but I know the burlesque scene is like that. I know mm-hmm. uh, the comedy scene is like that. Some of the acting community is like that. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where we're all going to do this together. We're mm-hmm. all going to help each other out. We're all going to see the other person succeed because when they succeed, I succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's so beautiful and so great. And you travel uh, up to D.C. or even down to Raleigh. You're not getting that. Yeah. You were getting the exact opposite, which I think is so, uh, again, like you said about Virginia, it's that, and Richmond, 
that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not fighting over anything because we don't have anything to fight about. Right. That's awesome. Right. We're not competing for. I mean, but even like I had somebody point out to me when I was living in Minnesota and I was really kind of like I come up from you know for air from a lifestyle of self-delusion for a really really long time and I invited people in to comment I invited a whole bunch of comedians into my life you know and they're not (laughs) technically comedians but the majority of the healing language of uh of this recovery community is people saying absurd things and pointing out the absurdity of how you look at things and, and whatever and, you know, and it's usually pretty uncomfortable because most of us have huge egos and we're narcissistic and we've invested heavily in our worldview, mm-hmm. even if it's not working. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, um, and the process is painful. But this isn't really a particularly funny thing. But a guy said, you know, I had to realize that somebody getting success is not taking my success. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like what no matter what kind of success it is. And I would look at a guy, another guy like me who was a fucking in the gutter a short period of time ago yeah. and has gotten his shit together and is, is making more money than me and go, he's taking my like success and yeah. I don't like him. It's that you primal know? thing in the right. back, you know, of the yeah, exactly. There. There's yeah. only so much water at the watering mm-hmm. hole. And if this guy's drinking it, that means there's less for me, mm-hmm. but really that's, yeah. we're, we're not in that position. Yeah. You know, nobody is really in that position, mm-hmm. but we, we're encouraged to think that we are. And, and, and the more competitive the environment is, whether it's LA or, or New York, the yeah. more people go, go in for that and then make alliances. And it's a game of survivor yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And what, it truly why I'm comfortable in Richmond is nobody is that motivated to, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a great thing. Oh, that yeah. That motivation is not there. Nobody's trying to sabotage oh, yeah. me or what I'm doing. I mind my own business and do my own thing. Exactly. And, you know, I'm not under psychic attack or there's no kind of warfare going yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's such a freeing thing, too, mm-hmm. that I think. I think if Richmond ever did become this huge thing that everybody is saying, oh, we're right on the verge of becoming, it's going to kill it. Yeah. It's going to destroy it. Because as soon as you become that big entity, that's when all that other stuff comes in. That's when all the people start showing up to be where the cameras are pointing. Exactly. And where the microphone is pointing. Exactly. Seattle and mm-hmm. Portland. and You're going to have the guy on the side of the road wearing the tinfoil helmet holding up the sign saying, put me in your movie. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. And I really don't want. We to just don't realize that. how lucky we are uh, that yeah. it is like this. That's why I love. We Richmond. bitch about it. We say, yeah. "Oh, Richmond sucks." No, it's perfect. Yes. And if you want that shit, you can go to New York. It's only three hundred miles away. Exactly. Go ahead. Go exactly. out there and experience it for a while. Get come back with your tail between your legs. Mm-hmm. You probably will. I, <laughs> yeah, you most definitely will. And you'll because uh, I did. I did too. I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I left. Uh, I did L.A. I did New York. I, you know, I traveled around. I've had more good times in this city, and I've been more creative in this city than anywhere else I could be because it's freeing to know nobody's going to try and jerk the mat out from underneath no. your feet. Right. It's so perfect. And I hear people down talk it all the time. Oh, it's where you end up where you can't go anywhere else, and it's just a launching pad. That's all this place is. No, it's not. Mm-mm. It's a place where you can be comfortable and you can learn, and you can grow, and you can experience shit without anybody coming along to try and stop you. Right. You know. Yes, it is cheap rent, and you know what? That yeah. is actually an expression of the fact that nobody is trying to make uh, uh, exploit anything yeah. for a buck. I mean, they are, but not to the degree that oh, no. you know. You're not going to pay two thousand dollars to live in a closet. Exactly. You know, you can exactly. pay three hundred and fifty and or seven hundred and have a whole house. Exactly. You know? and <laughs> really? That's how much. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right. I got to talk to your guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I got to talk I mean, to your granted, guy. Granted, it's cold as shit. Down here. <laughs> 
this is the HVAC and the ceiling is not a good place for it because the heat just stays in the ceiling. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. cold down here. But mm. anyway. uh, no, but it's I think I, I think the people that are trying that are saying that and that are wanting this to be something more or something different are people that don't really know what the outside looks like right and they're usually hunched over a bar with a beer or exactly in front of them. none of them are standing up straight none of them are looking you in the eye because yeah. they're afraid that you don't agree with them. are going to challenge that that yeah. uh, given up thing that they've invested in too mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. there's no point there's no point in it right you know and again i could speak of this intimately i'm not trying to be judgmental oh no i've been there yeah I, so I've, I. I've been that guy I, and and i'm grateful for mm-hmm. the fact that I see it differently now, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. there's nobody stopping me from plying my way and plying my trade, but me and those exactly. kinds of beliefs. Exactly. You know, and I can get out there and yeah. I can, I can work. There's lots of jobs to be had, and like whatever kind of dude I decide to be, they don't get to own me. You know, damn right. And, and like, damn right, man. Yeah, I put on the, I'll put on the fucking clothes with the insignia on it, and I'll work for you. You, you get to rent me for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And thank you for the money that you're paying me to get so that exactly. I can pay my rent and eat and all that shit. And then I'll do lots of other stuff yeah. the rest of the time I got. Well, and that's know? just it. I've been fortunate enough. Uh, I talked about it. Uh, professional wrestling. Did yeah. that for a while. Uh, do acting work. I do reenacting work. Uh, I do stand-up comedy. I'm, I'm writing some of my own shows. I'm working with burlesque groups. Yeah. I'm able to do all of that here. Yeah. If I was in New York, L.A., uh, Austin, or even Portland... I would be stuck doing the one thing and doing the day job and then going back to the other. What makes you compromise faster than having to like come up with a thousand dollars a week yeah. to pay your fucking rent? Exactly. You know, like if you don't have that desperation, then mm-hmm. you have much more room to spread out and fuck around with stuff and try exactly. things and whatever. Exactly. You know? I'm, I'm able to eat. I'm able to sleep. I'm able to work and I'm able to create. Yeah. And there are very few places in this society that we have that you can do that as freely as you can right and here. And what's wrong with being comfortable? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Nothing's wrong with being comfortable. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I like being comfortable. I'd ra- I- I'm too old and too tired and too fucking bald. I can't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah. I've tried it. I don't want to be uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations. I want to be comfortable with people that are also comfortable. Yeah. You know, I don't want somebody sitting in the corner twitching at my party. I want everybody standing up, looking me in the face, telling me what about yeah. themselves and telling me who they are and what they do. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you want to be one of those people twitching in the corner, have I find fun that in Los shit Angeles. Way more <laughs> badass. Yeah. To now yeah. to like to practice is Parker from Gallery Five calls it radical inclusion. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I think that's one of the best things I've heard in a long time. That like is that, awesome. It takes way more balls to open up to people that you might on some subconscious level feel that you're at odds with or, mm-hmm. you know, and to just say, hey, let me love you up. Let me be, let's be friends. Let's recognize our common. Exactly. You know, you know exactly. it really is. It takes way more balls to do that than it does to pick the anti, the mm-hmm. destructive stance. Yeah. Uh, no man is as tall as when he's kneeling down to help another type of that's thing. Right. You know, and we say these cliche things and some people call them cheesy. They're, they're truths, though, man. Right. They're such truths. It's the devil that says that's cheesy because he wants you to keep doing the evil. Yeah, yeah, I like that, too. <laughs> I like that, too. You know? Well, I mean, the talent that we have here and the creativity that we have here is unmatched. Yeah. It's so unmatched. And I think it's unmatched because people can do it. They can do and it. And you here. get a lot more voices than just the voice of anger and, Most and disenfranchisement and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot more to be expressed. There are other shades oh, of yeah. 
you know, well, life when experience. I was in New York and in Los Angeles, you hear the 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 fools that run this town. You know, yeah, you yeah. hear that all the time, and I'm like, then leave. Yeah. Then fucking go somewhere else. You yeah. know, why why are you going to continue? To let that just pound you down mm-hmm. and kick you and all that other stuff because you want to be this big famous thing and you want to be the person out there that says I'm better than you. Is this you. supporting my agenda or not? Yeah, you know? and it's, it's selfish. Yeah, very you know? selfish. Childish and selfish. I don't want to be the person saying I'm better than you. I want to be the person that says, "Hey, let's go make something fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let's I'm do as something good as wonderful." You, yeah, I'm as know. good as you, and you're as good as me. Mm-hmm. Let's get together and make some good shit. Yeah. You know? And I've, and, and yeah, it's self promoting. I'm living in a little bit of an ego. I'm very lucky to say I've been a part of a lot of really awesome stuff mm-hmm. with a lot of really awesome people. Mm-hmm. And if anybody tries to take that away from me, I will kill them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. everyone in New York and LA, stay away from Virginia. You can't take that away from, from me. <laughs> I, I would, I mean, it's, it's going to have to happen. And I mean, it will. It's going to be a sad day. And it, it won't just be. Like pop culture stuff, it, it, sooner or later, mm. those that have money to invest in building things and are, are going to have to recognize that an existing city, even a one that is semi sad and opera, you know, suffering mm-hmm. under the crushing weight of its own guilt, like this city is. Yeah, it's still a city with an infrastructure that's centered around the old nineteenth-century model of like people living close together and not having to burn a lot of energy to get yeah. from place to place. People are going to come in here and invest in this place. They're going to, and not just stupid ass high rises. They're going to build out this neighborhood. There are people building. I'm in Union Hill. I'm watching houses go up in these vacant lots. Same thing in the Manchester yeah. area too. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. And and if you don't like get a piece of it now, you're going to get pushed out of it. Yeah, you know. And yeah, uh, if you want to stay here, recognize that because it's coming. I it think, is coming, you know? and I I don't want it to come. I'll be honest. I really mm-hmm. don't because, like you said, I love the fact that. There's no competition for anything here. Yeah. There's none of that. You know, I could sit here and say, I'm going to go head to head with uh, RCC or what they're doing over at the Funny Bone and all that. But why? Right. Why? There's plenty of people yeah. to, to entertain yeah. around here. I've been I've been doing it for 15 years. I'm going to mm-hmm. be doing it for 15 more. I love the... Why would anybody want to come and say, no, it has to be mine? You can't have one of these grapes because then I won't have that one. Right, right. You know, why, why are you going to do that? Why do yeah. you want to do that? Well, and like I you said, it's coming. primal. It is. It but, is but, primal. But we're not limited by our reptilian cortex and our it's primal true. stuff. We have a, a mind that is able to transcend that stuff and mm. takes conversations like this to recognize where you might be stuck. Agreed. You know, on those things. And I mean, that's why I put this out here is, is I get to come back to Richmond with a you know, having yeah. been in Minnesota for yeah. four years and see what I got, what's available. And I, I do want other people to see mm-hmm. that if they don't, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not assuming that everyone doesn't see yeah. that. Uh, but I, I have spent a lot of time around people who tr- try to feel like they've lost, you know, or do feel like they've lost if they're making a life for himself. Yeah. Know? And I'm like, no, yeah. you, you haven't, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you only are if you think you are, or you only have if you think you have. And exactly. I, you know, Exactly. Kick that thought out and like invest and mm-hmm. and accept and be grateful. What's that uh, quote? Those who are wandering are not always lost, right? But those who are lost are sometimes just wandering and not know it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- and that's insecurity. And mm-hmm. the very first podcast I did 
with my friend Cleo, uh-huh. who who used to do burlesque and has done a lot of other. Yeah, we were talking you know about her. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. The idea that being insecure is not just being a whimper, simpering, neurotic person like George Costanza. It's that you're you are without any kind of mooring. You know, mm-hmm. you're like you have no. You're not a. You're not like centered at all. And like that, and and you're therefore buffeted by any bad idea, any bullshit, any feeling, anything that comes across your screen. You're just a fucking leaf in the wind, yeah. you know. And you got to secure yourself at some point. Believe something, invest in something, mm-hmm. you know. And but don't attach to that thing. Like this is the only thing that's going to give my life meaning. You yeah, s- you know, you've got to pick some stuff. You got to you know mm-hmm. put down some tent stakes. But you do need to be ready to pick up the tent stakes. Oh, most definitely. When the time comes, most definitely. You know, so. and I think that's what delusions uh, give so many people. Delusions is that they don't realize that they can pick something up and transplant it and get more when something comes along and just yeah. blows their their teepee down or their mm-hmm. tent down. Mm-hmm. They think, oh well, that's it. Yeah. I can't set this TP back up. I can't set this tent back up. I now I'm going to sleep I, under a bridge. Yeah, now mm-hmm. I'm going to sleep under a bridge, or you know, that's all I had. Yeah. No, just get a new one. You yeah. know, make a new one, yeah. uh, or find somebody else who has one that they can share. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I've uh, I've met a couple people that have come to Virginia and come to Richmond, and they've been here for a while because they had that thought process, that mentality of, well, I'm only going to be here for a little while. Mm-hmm. And they've never let it settle that I could stay here and I could make something here and I can do something here. And they tend to be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, you've never really set up your tent. Yeah. You know? It's still packed So how up. do you know? Right. You know? Right. And then they do set up the tent and they find this wonderful thing, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I see you keep looking at your watch. Oh, actually, no, I keep getting texts oh, oh. from people. <laughs> but uh, we can wrap it it's up. It's 225, though. You said you had to. Yeah, yeah, I have to be there at 3, but it's only like 10 minutes up the street. So oh, good. But, well, this is good a place. Any thanks, oh, Ray? Dude, dude, and, thank you so much. This is a great conversation, yeah, man. man. This I actually kind of uh, this is the high point of my day right now. Uh, this is really awesome. Well, thank it's you early so much. Yet. <laughs> thanks. All right, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's early yet. I'm sure he had a better day than that after that. But I had a good time. That was very fun. And um, I, uh, I look forward to checking out some of what O'Ray is doing in the future. And along the lines of what Ray is doing, there is actually something that he sent me an invite to going on this week, the week of March 24th. I cannot recall what it is. Uh... Look at your Facebook events. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I've already started recording this. It's too late to go back and mention it. But anyway, I, I, I try not to keep things that are too time sensitive on this stuff because I, when, when I was listening to that old um, interview with Dave Brocky, I my whole intro was just irrelevant about things that were coming up that are long past. So, um, yeah, so fuck it, you know. Um, there's always something going on, and I do recommend. I mean, you know, I I get kind of irritated with the necessity of Facebook, but it's like the first fucking thing I do in the morning is roll over and look at it on my phone. Yet I miss a lot of shit because I never actually bring up that event page, and there's always a bunch of gold on there. So you want to know what's going on? You look at your event page. All right, get off my fucking case already. Um, well, I had something scheduled for this evening but it fell through so i am going to post this podcast and then i'm going to just lay down um oh so, yeah 
I, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, I, I'm inspired and it's inspiration. It is literally breathing in something to inspire, to breathe in. And I breathe in the whatever it is that has escaped from Dave uh, as he let it go on Sunday. And it doesn't smell anywhere near as bad as I would have thought. Yeah. Take that. Adios. Muchachos.